Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is Larry Tadlock. He is a vegan comedian from Texas, and he's been vegan almost as long as I am, a little bit past 10 years to catch up, 36 years, no small feat. Please welcome him to the show. It's nice to, to meet you, Larry. Yeah, nice to meet you finally in person. Yeah. Well, wait. Did, how do you know me? Because you 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 wrote in to be on the show, and I'm sorry it's taken me so long. I, I I just cannot believe how many people want to be on the show. I'm so grateful. And how many people want to return. So I'm doing my best in 2024 to get everybody on the chance. So did you watch the show? How did you come to want yeah, to? Well, yeah, well, I've watched the show since you started it during uh, back in COVID. And, you know, a certain amount of the whole food plant-based people, they're really trouble. You know, they need a lot of work. The, yeah. the ones that make the comments. So our inter my interaction with you would probably be, well, what about, nut you know, no nuts, no fruit? Can I heat it? You know, so, um, yeah, because I grew up on a lot of antibiotics. I have a kind of autoimmune gut thing. So I'm I'm the one percent that does whole food plant based, but I, I still struggle. Well, and so I, that's how you know me because I probably made a comment or two. You know, there's still more, you know, and, and again, here's the thing, you know, there's this thing, of, uh, he, I think it's Dr. Goldhammer who said, you know, um, vegans get headaches from wearing their halos too tight. Vegans get sick, no matter how pristine your diet is, there's something called genetics that's going to affect, I mean, vegans even get cancer. And then the people that aren't vegan beat us up saying, well, see, it's because of your diet. No, our diet probably saved us from having much worse conditions and having them soon. And so I'm curious as to your story about when you went vegan or, you know, I use vegan or plant-based because some people don't like the word vegan. I do. I'm proud. I mean, I'm whole food. I'm not plant-based. I'm plant exclusive, but tell us your, your, your origin story, if you will. Yeah. And I'm also not, I, I'm not triggered by the word vegan. It just, it's specific. Uh, so it's a good one, but yeah, when I was 20, so I had a dachshund. And I was walking my dog and the dog went off the leash and went to attack a duck. And I just saw the look on the face of the duck and just the terror in the eyes. And that was it. I just went vegetarian. And that was a pretty big deal for me because, you know, I came from my grandfather was a cattle rancher in Texas. Uh, my great-grandfather founded the Fort Worth Stockyards, and, you know, I pretty much ate meat or some animal products at every meal up until that point. I was trying to think what wasn't. I, all I could come up with was watermelon in the heat of the summer. Uh, <laughs> How old were you when you had this epiphany? I was 20, and... I had been waiting tables at a place that served duck. And I, I mean, that was already, I was out in California and Palo Alto. And, you know, in Texas, we had pork, beef, chicken, and fish sticks. That was, you know, that's the meat that we had. So I didn't even know about eating duck. Uh, but even from a young age, I had a weird feeling about eating our cows. Um, my grandfather took us all to like this big steakhouse in downtown Fort Worth and I ordered fried shrimp. And he said, you know, boy, I'm going to disinherit you. <laughs> so somebody said, you should be vegetarian. I'm like, how can I afford it? Sounds expensive. but Did, did he disinherit you? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, years later, I, I don't think there was an inheritance, but uh, uh but it was a funny comment. And so I had a lot of health issues as a kid. I had pneumonia six times uh, for six weeks in the hospital um, and pretty much lived on antibiotics all winter long. I would, you know, have bronchitis and, and health issues. And um, so, and in fact, I remember being in the hospital and my dad saying, you know, who sold you on the idea of being sick and tired all the time? And I was like, well, it's the hot fudge Sundays. You know, they give you hot fudge Sundays right there in the hospital. So what better to, you know, put you over the edge toward death and give you a, you know, mucus filled uh, hot fudge Sunday. How about some heroin or a cigarette, you know, while we're at it. So, um, 
so that was my background. So I went vegetarian, but you know, back then in the late 80s, the kind of the idea was, well, you needed a complete protein, you know, so you need to eat extra dairy products since you're vegetarian. So I uh, con continued to eat dairy products my first year vegetarian. And I moved to Tokyo uh, and I was uh, doing work there in Tokyo and I got really sick that winter. I got really like bad bronchitis and I fainted on a movie set and I had eczema all over my skin. I was bleeding and it hurt to sit in the chair and uh, had some nerve issues. I was also eating sugar. So like being vegetarian was not about health. It was just, I was just eating what I normally ate, but it was vegetarian. So I was having a lot of sugar and I severed the nerve that operates my left foot. What? How did you do that? Well, sitting cross-legged. So I was teaching English. If you sit cross-legged, there's a nerve that goes right there by the knee and it controls the foot. So I had to lift my leg. <laughs> so I was walking around Tokyo between teaching English like a penguin, lifting, lifting my legs up. And I just thought this, I've just had it. There's gotta be something else. There's gotta be a way to be healthy. And I had read Herman, I, I had picked up Herman Ihara's book, Acid and Alkaline, which is uh, one of those early macrobiotic books. Um, and it's not, it's more about balance and stuff, but it, it wasn't really a vegan book, but it, in the book, it had a chapter that said, look, if you have any health issues whatsoever, why don't you just eat brown rice and vegetables for a week or two and see how you do, you know? And I, when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, I, I love brown rice. So, so that's what I did in this little kitchen I had in Tokyo. I made brown rice and steamed vegetables. And after about 12 days, the, I'd say I became a tree hugger because I, I was no longer allergic to the planet. I mean, I was like, I would go outside, I would get headaches, uh, breathing outdoors, it was not comfortable. And it just, everything just lifted that I had. And I've never had bronchitis or pneumonia since that time, 36 years ago. Um, so yeah, it was just, I started going into the park. I was like hugging the trees and I just kind of became like, connected to the earth i didn't feel separate from the earth anymore and and so that's how i became vegan what did you eat at first because this would this would have been 36 years i'm bad at math but in the this was about the 80s 70s? yeah it was like 88 i believe or 89 so because there wasn't a lot of the food available like there is now there weren't really plant milks there weren't meat animals there weren't there wasn't processed vegan food so what did you eat what did you what were you raised eating and what did you end up eating at first when you went vegan and what yeah, did you well when I, I grew up on you know I we used to go to the chuck wagon barbecue for breakfast dollar 99 it was biscuits with cream gravy sausage uh scrambled eggs you know and then I'd go to class and I'd sleep through the first period so I grew up on very standard American. I drank a gallon of milk a day. A gallon a day. If I didn't have milk wow. before. Oh, bed, was it whole milk? Yeah, Borden's vitamin D. Wow. If I didn't have the milk, my brother and I would scream for my mother to go. And she would go to the Piggly Wiggly to buy milk. I guess it's like a sugar addiction to the to the milk. Yeah, lactose. Yeah. Yeah. So um <laughs> so back in Tokyo, the good thing was there was this macrobiotic scene in in Tokyo. So there were all these macrobiotic restaurants that were vegan plus fish. So I was able to get um <clears throat> excuse me. It's like the one time. I get a cough when I'm talking this, about this happens to everybody, just so you know, it's not just you. It's like, what do they call it? Murphy's law. Yeah. I've drink some. So, um, so brown rice 
steamed vegetables, azuki beans, uh, miso soup, takawan pickles. Yeah. You know, it's and then, yeah, when people, it's not, I wonder if it's so much the special food that you were eating or just the elimination of the toxic foods you were eating. I think so. You know, there's, <laughs> this is crazy. So sorry. It's okay. This happened to one of our guests recently from England. So please just have a simple yeah. water, compose yourself. Yeah, I mean, so since that time, I'm, I'm quite an open person to trying new versions of the vegan diet. So I've tried just about every version of it. And well, not every, there's thousands. Um, but I always go back to like McDougal allergy elimination or <clears throat> something really simple. And what I realized kind of in my 40s was a lot of what it is, is you're leaving out the fats. So mm. you're leaving out all the nuts, the seeds, the avocado. And then the body starts to heal, right? Because it's like we're oxygenated. We get lots of energy in our cells. So, so yeah, I think it's, um, it is the elimination thing. So I think it could be done. I mean, you know, like me, the people do just potatoes, and they get a result or they do brown rice or yeah, or, or the Kempner diet, just kept Dr. Walter Kempner, just white rice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I do great with white rice. Me I too. White rice is. Yeah. It's so gentle. It's nice because it's a little lighter. You know, just just tastes. I love basmati rice. Yeah. Did you, you didn't stay macrobiotic, did you for the for a long time? I did. I did. And I, I still kind of eat macrobiotic, but I do have like nightshade sometimes. So I'm not hardcore macro, but I pretty much do well on the kind of macrobiotic version of a vegan diet, but it'd be the oil-free one. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I like that Casa de Luz restaurant in Austin that have you been to Casa de Luz? And I have tried to get the owner on my show and he was kind of flaked, but I hear it's a great restaurant. Yeah, it's amazing. And they've been doing oil free for like 25 years. I don't know, because that's not typical in macrobiotic. The, the older macrobiotic, they used a lot of oil in their cookbooks. Yeah, I don't know why they think it's so such a holy grail of food. I met the grandson of Kushi. We, mm -hmm. we both were at a conference in Universal City, California, I was making the desserts for PCRM and he was one of the speakers. And I said, is there anything that you feel that is necessary in oil that we can't get from the whole food from which he came? And he he, he really couldn't give me an answer. So I really love to know their thinking of why they think it's so beneficial. Yeah, I don't think they really have really brought in the calorie thing and the, the percent, they don't, you know, I've spoken to many of them about it that there's something magical when you get into the 10 to 20% fat calories, your body heals. And most people eating a vegan diet are eating 30 to 60% calories because they're including oil. And that's great if you're healthy and you're running like that. But if you have any issues, if you just adjust it a little bit down and it's not like you're fat deficient, you're still eating, you know, fat. So yeah. So tell me about this comedian thing. Yeah, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm yeah. a comedian necessarily, but I do do comedy as much as I can, both stand up and improv, improv being my favorite. So are, are you performing? Do you tell, tell us about when you got into comedy? Yeah, I got into comedy kind of because I studied theater in college and it's, it's a lot of work to be in a play, right? You can't really work. It's, it's a lot of commitment, but stand up comedy, you can do it twice a year and it's five minutes and it's like a great outlet. Uh, so I, I have a relationship with stand-up comedy. I just go back and forth to it when I'm in the mood. Uh, and I did, uh, I did the Edinburgh Fringe twice uh, in the last. Are familiar? What, what explain what the Edinburgh Fringe is? Uh, in Edinburgh, Scotland, in August, it's the largest theater festival in the world. There's three thousand and five hundred shows. And over what period of time? That's incredible. It's like August 
4th to August 28th. And you do like 25 shows in a row. And, you know, the, the first year I did it, and my friend was like, you know, take Monday and Tuesday off, go down to London, you know, don't do, I was like, no, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it every night. But wow, you need that one night a week off, you know. Uh, so the second year I took Monday nights off, but it's cool because you get to do an intensive, you know, like 25 days straight or 30 days where you do shows every day. And you you do an hour long show um, and you you propose something, you try to get a producer. And it's great because you 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 get in a rhythm, you know, it's like. Well, you're always performing because you're on YouTube, but, you know, when you have to perform, you got to do everything right. You know, you got to have your nap. You got to have, you got to get on whatever you do for it. I, for me, it's a rebounder. You know, I would rebound before I would perform and do the meditation and the Qigong and the yoga. And it's kind of like a whole schedule. So I really, I love that intensiveness of it. Did you ever study it or you just were naturally gifted? Because I don't think people understand sometimes, like I, I'm always in a class. Like, I don't just think I'm that great that I can just do it. Like, I'm always trying to learn and better my, my you know, myself in, in those yeah. fields. Oh, no, I love to take stand-up comedy classes. I've taken all of them. I, I love Steven Rosenfeld in New York City. I did his whole one-year program. I did my, the very first comedy class I took was with Judy Carter back in. Oh my God. She was my first teacher in the year 2000. That's when I started when I was 40. Gosh, how weird would that be if we were in the same class? I think I would have remembered you. Cause I mean, I'm, I mean, cause you were already vegan then my husband took it too. Yeah. And then what happened is she stopped doing it. And then a different teacher, I don't know if you know, Carrie Otis took over and he's the one I still study with. Okay. Okay. No, I, I don't know, but I remember, you know, I was new at it. And so I was really sensitive to criticism. And I had this joke that was like, uh, you know, all my life I've wanted to be a motivational speaker, but I just haven't been able to get motivated about it. Uh -huh, very good. And it was a great setup. And then she had me do like, yeah, you know, what about Tony Robbins? Like, does he bark at his wife? And is there a school for, you know, motivation? So she gave me this whole thing, but but then she, when I did the performance, I was a little bit off. And she said, you know, you weren't quite there. Da, da, da. She criticized me. I didn't do stand-up comedy for six years. That is so funny. I had an improv teacher be really mean to me. And I, I walked away for a year. I don't know why teachers have to. I don't think of Judy as mean. But, but you know, they say, well, if you can't take the criticism, you shouldn't be performing in public, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's. That, that the reality is most of us are children and we can't take it you know we're we're scared of it we need it in little compassionate you know she's probably true of the best of the best but she was she's actually a really skilled teacher though and she's, she's really her. good and have you read her book the comedy bible i have read it yeah it's really, really, good. really good are you performing anywhere now or i mean i, I went to your youtube channel and I yeah. saw you have, let's see, you have uh, something called Funny Wordplay Jokes with Stand-Up Comedian Larry Tadlock, 50 Ways to Leave Your Liver. But then you have another presentation called How to Start a Whole Food Plant-Based Diet for Beginners. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really need to do more YouTube. I need to put just, you know, more streaming and just talking about topics. Uh, you know, I travel almost full time. I'm a, I've been living as a digital nomad and I'm always somewhere cool. What What does that mean, a digital nomad? So I manage my work on a computer. So I, I'm able to live anywhere I want. So I I have an apartment in Athens, Greece that I bought and that's my home base. And I have a visa for there to stay. And I'll go, you know, I'll go for like two, three months to Greece. And then I'll go to like I spent summer, the summer in London and then I'll go to Lisbon. And then, you know, like now I'm in New York for two, three months and I'll go to California for a month or two. And I just live like that. I just rent different places and uh, I really like to travel and explore. And So do you work like do you have a like, like a job job? Yeah, I manage uh, real estate and I in uh, California and Hawaii. So I have I have a, a, a very small real estate company, 
but I'm basically like the bookkeeper at this point. So I don't really have to be there. I just kind of manage, you know, different aspects of it online. And, and sometimes I do show, I go to California and Hawaii. I spend some time on the business and make sure it's running and I've been doing it a long time. I'm getting a bit tired of it now. Yeah, I, that would be I, I, that to me, like I'm such a homebody. Like even if I was really wealthy and could have multiple houses, it's like I I mean, this is a perfect job for me since COVID because I love being at home. So I, I would imagine your lifestyle doesn't really allow you to have pets. No, no. My Sharpay, I had a beautiful chocolate brown Sharpay that died in 2011 and I almost got another one, but that's that was the year that I went to Greece for a month, and that kind of changed everything for me. I started going back, and yeah, it's really hard because you miss your pet. You want to, mm -hmm. I'd so, go for two weeks, I'd be. What do you eat when you're in Greece? That's a great question. Uh, well, first of all, it's the best food on the planet. It's the food is so fresh. You can cut a carrot or a zucchini with a fork raw. It's different. Uh, they have, I'm really big on the wild greens, which are called horta. So every island has its own greens and they're, they tend to be dandelion, amaranth, things like that, but they don't taste like what we have. They're so good. And in any restaurant in Greece, there's a grandmother in the back trimming these wild greens and she had foraged them in the mountain earlier that day. So if I go to a restaurant, I would order a big bowl of wild greens. And I mean, it's like a Chef AJ. It's like two pounds of greens because they boil them down, right? And you can get that in any restaurant in Greece. The trick is you have to find the ones that are willing to not do the oil for you, which they will steam it they'll leave if you just say i want the oil on the side uh they do that and then grilled vegetables uh baked though the sweet potatoes are so good i bake a lot of sweet potatoes um they have a bean called fava bean which is more of a yellow split pea that's the best thing ever they cook it up with a lot of onion it it really has a nutty, nice flavor, especially the one from Santorini. Um, I will have some olives if they're not soaked in, uh, you know, olive oil. So sometimes they're in vinegar, sometimes they're sun-dried. Um, the food is, is really fantastic. Um, Do you cook your own meals ever? Oh, all the time. A hundred, uh, almost totally. Like I'll... I will cook in the apartment and then I will go out for a restaurant for a special occasion or maybe to get one or two dishes and bring back to add. So, you know, um, I do a lot of cooking at home. I, I, I have to eat pretty, pretty simple food. You know, I like, I I'm gluten-free. Uh, I don't do well with a lot of spices. So like I said in the beginning, I have a kind of autoimmune gut, issues so i have to eat pretty strictly you know like i often go back to something very simple like just rice and sweet potato and steamed greens like i'll do that for five days so many people think that's how i prefer to eat not because i have to but people a lot of people think that's just so boring and unsustainable but i think if you eat that way you eventually you just prefer it yeah you do you do it, it actually i prefer my food at home and I actually don't need uh, a lot of sauces. I mean, to me, for like a miso tahini sauce would be like heaven. Like that would be, that would be so rich. And by the way, my first 20 years vegan, I ate so much tahini and nuts and seeds and all that. And uh, I still eat a little bit, but I really like to keep it very low. And I'll do, I'll do two or three days without, then I'll have a little bit. And I feel like my energy's a lot better, my digestion's better, my mind's clearer. So, well, how yeah. do you have like like for example, I don't know if you use an instant pot or an air fryer, but if you're in so many locations, do you have to buy multiple things. I have instant pots all over the world, Chef AJ. I, nice. I literally, 
I That'd do. be a great name for a cookbook, Instant Pots All Over the World. I like that. Yeah. You know, I started to just, if I'm in a place for like six weeks to two months, I'll just buy one now. I don't travel with it as much. I'll buy one. Uh, I used to travel back in the macrobiotic days with a stainless steel pressure cooker in my suitcase. A small one, which actually works quite well for making beans and grains. Uh, but these days I just tend to buy a new one and then I'll give it away or give it to whatever the host is or something because they're not very expensive, 50, 60 bucks. Um, and sometimes I do without, you know, it's nice to, it's nice to lighten up the cooking, you know, to do just boiled rice and do, do lighter cooking styles. So, you know, like in the summer, I don't really need an Instapot uh, in the summer when it's really hot, I'm doing more salads and kind of fresher, fresher kind of things. So tell us what you eat in a day. Okay. Um, well, I love uh, Neil Bernard's idea of having a little bit of soy for breakfast. Uh, and I, I do very well with soy, like a little bit of tofu or tempeh. So I usually have that first and I might have, uh, might reheat some sweet potatoes. And then um, I try to have some greens in the morning. Uh, and thanks to you for that. I mean, you, I, I, you've taught people that and I really picked that up that if you have some greens in the morning, you're a lot more likely to eat enough for the day because mm -hmm. you're going to crave it at lunch. You'll crave it at dinner. If you don't, you'll go into lunch and you'll just have a bowl of brown rice and beans. And then you'll have like no greens by three o'clock. And, you know, you can run a little acidic that way. So uh, I like to have a little greens. And then uh, I always have a grain with um, usually a soft grain, usually like leftover brown rice cooked with a little extra water and some miso, uh, sometimes millet. I'm a big millet person and sometimes quinoa. So just like a bowl of grain. Um, I'm a little obsessed with pacha buckwheat sourdough bread right now. Oh my God. So wait, you're okay. So you're not in Greece right now, but yeah, they- No, I, I'm in New York City. So yeah. I, I I mean, I wish they would make a salt-free version, but I will make an exception for that because I, have you had all four of their flavors? The The creator has been on the show. Oh, have I know I've had only the cheesy one. And yeah, that's my favorite. Bread. That's my favorite yeah. of the four. Yeah, it's really good. And I like to steam it, you know, a little bit because I think uh, a little steamed bread just for a minute, it's it kind of makes it like fresh out of the oven. And it's less like drying to the throat and stuff. So I like to steam it, but sometimes I toast it. It's really I like good. It. I like a toaster. We actually, we actually bought a toaster. I never had a toaster. So yeah, I really love what, you know, I don't know if you ever had weight problems or food addiction problems, but I love that you gave a shout out to vegetables for breakfast because my husband who's been thin his whole life can't gain weight if, if no matter what you do to him, but he still, he has been eating greens for breakfast every day since I started, which was January 2nd, 2012. And for, for breakfast, we just mean your as part of your first meal, but like people sure. misunderstood my concept vegetables for breakfast to mean that's all you eat. No, no, no. You just start your, because you're right. You can't play catch up because once you eat something that's more like delicious or stimulating or hyper palatable of a higher caloric density, you don't go and eat your rice and beans and then say, oh, you know, now I'm going to eat some steam. You know, it just, you have to eat the lower caloric. You don't have to, but it, you, you're right. You don't get as much in or enough in if you don't start with them. And I just had one of my favorite guests, Broccoli Mom. I don't know if you know who she is on and she lost 60 pounds following the principles of caloric density. And I mean, how else are you going to eat vegetables? You don't eat them for dessert. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. And if if you crave what you had kind of from the last meal. So if if I mean, people, if they have steel cut oats, which are great and a little tofu, well, then lunch comes around and they want pasta, you know, or they want more rice and beans. They're not really craving the greens. But with your thing, getting the two pounds, I like to cook two pounds in the morning. I do a lot better with cooked vegetables in general. I do have some raw but I have to be careful with the raw. Um, so I like to just cook two pounds and then 
if you eat like half of it at breakfast, which I'll easily do, I want more for lunch. And then guess what? It's dinner time. I want more vegetables. So I end up with three pounds because you want more. So for me, it's not about weight. I never really had um, a weight issue. If anything, I was too skinny. Uh, in fact, when I was in Tokyo, when I was first macrobiotic and vegan, I got I had got rid of all my health problems, but I got very, very skinny. I was eating a lot of salt, you know, which makes you very contractive. And, you know, it just. Um, and I think people thought I had AIDS because, you know, it wasn't really common for men to be skinny in the late 80s. I don't think the six pack had even been invented. You know, people were a little chubbier. And I spoke to my dad about it. I was frustrated because I couldn't gain weight uh, for a long time. And yeah, he said, you know, when you're 50, no one's going to complain about you being too skinny, especially your doctor. And it's so true. You know, the, you know, now it's like I'm 56 and I'm, you know, I'm probably a little thinner, but I can gain weight if I, you know, lift weights and things like that. So. Did anybody in your family question, because you wait, you were, you said you were 20, so you probably weren't living at home, right? No, I wasn't, no. So it wasn't like your mom said you couldn't do it, but did anybody in your family get inspired or friends to change their diet when you changed yours? Uh, well, initially they all thought I was crazy. I mean, initially it was just so unusual, especially to come back to Texas. Uh, in Japan, there's a little more of a vegetarian tradition, and it was easier there. California, you know, it's California. But in Texas, it's like, um, they just thought it was kind of nuts, but they, they knew I was an open person, I'm kind of an explorer. They're just kind of used to me. But then later in my life, yes, I have had so many friends that... Uh, you know, they see what I'm eating and how I'm doing on uh, my Instagram or whatever. And, you know, I'll, you can't convince anyone to do it. You can't convince anyone to eat vegan, much less healthy vegan. But when they have a serious health issue, uh, like they, if they get desperate, they'll do it. And that's when they reach out. And I've had so many people just changed their life from eating healthy vegan food. Uh, one of my best friends, my best friend Chris had his face blew up with like a rash and it was like six weeks. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And, you know, he went to the dermatologist. Well, my first thing doing that brown rice cleanse when I was 21 was I had psoriasis all over my body. So it's kind of skin is kind of my thing. And now I have gorgeous skin. So I said, look, Chris, this is, this is going to be tough, but you're going to have to eat really, what I'm going to give you to do is going to be really hard, but it'll work. And it worked in like six or seven days. And I basically told him to do the allergy, uh, McDougal allergy elimination protocol. And that's one of the most powerful tools on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me where, tell me all of, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm vegan, you're vegan, but I'm kind of more interested in your comedy career. Where, yeah, sure. I, because that, you know, this is what, I don't know if the audience is interested in. I don't know if you, you know, that's the thing about like, you know, like if you were a magician, I could say, you know, show me a trick right now, but it's like with comedy, you can't just like be funny. Like, I mean, you can yeah. People don't yeah. realize that stand-up isn't just joke telling. It really isn't joke telling. It's it's a structure of its own. But I'm curious, some of the various places you've performed. When's the last time you've performed, and when's the next time you're performing? Well, I did. Uh, the last time I performed was the Comedy Chateau in North Hollywood, and then prior to that, it was all in New York, out here at like Gotham Comedy Club. And long time ago, I did the Improv and the Comedy Store and some of that. I never got to the level where I was like a regular at the comedy cellar or the comedy store because I always approach this as kind of a hot. I mean, I, I approach it seriously, but I would leave it for like a year and then come back to it. So I would leave it, then take a class and then do some more. And I've been doing that a long time now. 
Um, it's I, I I don't know how people um, you know I I I I mean you can dabble in it, but to get really good, you got to be like Jerry Seinfeld. He like apparently like writes every single day, works on his craft every single day. Yeah, you and you have to get in a momentum with performing. Uh, even Chris Rock says that he's like, you know, if I'm if I'm getting ready to go on tour, if I miss a couple nights of the week, you know, going to just do a ten minute set, he's like, I've lost my momentum. rhythm. Yeah, yeah, his uh, momentum. So it's like exercise, you know. Yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, what do you do for exercise? Uh, I go to the gym. And I, uh, I do some weight training. I get on the vibe plate. I love vibe plate. I do a little bit of zone two cardio. I am not sure what a vibe plate is. It's a, it, it's basically, um, you stand on it and it basically shakes you. Okay. Yeah. I think Dr. Furman has mentioned that. Yeah. And it's amazing. It builds bone density and it's like doing 20 minutes of cardio in two minutes. And it's, my gym has a $15,000 one. Nobody even gets on it. So I get on it for like five minutes to kind of warm up. Um, that's kind of the rebounder aspect. Aspect. So it's like rebounding. I love rebounding. So when I'm in my apartment in Greece, I have a rebounder. And I also have one in, in storage in San Diego. So when I go uh, to San Diego or Los Angeles, I get my rebounder out. And then besides that, um, long history doing yoga, Qigong, uh, Tai Chi. I, I love all of those uh, Feldenkrais, mind-body kind of stuff. I've done a lot of that. I've got a yoga mat, you know, right next to me. So, But I've found, you know, at age 56, I mean, I'm not old or anything, but I can get very, like, meditative for lack of a better word and if i do a lot of yoga or qigong that's kind of what i want to do and whereas weights you know you're kind of out in the world you know you're i just feel good when i do weights so that's kind of what i'm focusing on right now right are in all the different countries and cities you live in are most of your friends vegan or how do you even maintain friendships when you're always moving around uh, I have a few really close friends uh, in different places. And yeah, that is more and more, you know, eventually I will not travel as much. In fact, the last four years, I started going to Europe only once a year, but I would stay for four to six months rather than going like twice. Uh, and that, you know, helps with the carbon footprint for the flights. Do, do you go home to see your family? Like, where does your family live? In in Texas still? They're, they're all in Dallas. Yeah, Dallas and Lubbock. So you go, yeah. home, you go home for the holidays? I didn't this year because I just didn't want to fly with uh, all the... I don't want to fly when there's so many people. So, uh, but I always stop there uh, when I'm on the way from the West Coast back to to Europe. So I go basically Hawaii, California, stop in New York, stop in London, and I go to Greece. I kind of do the same round trip. Nice. So you must, when you I of, you must have a lot of frequent flyer miles. I've got that dialed down. Yeah, I've got a lot of perks. Uh, yeah, I got. I usually get a free business class trip back. Uh, I always buy one way tickets because I never know how long I'm going to go. Oh. But. And I get good deals. I mean, I, it, that sounds pretentious, but I, you know, I get good deals on one-way tickets. Uh, uh, so like uh, in February, I'm going to go to San Diego for the whole month, maybe six weeks. So I'll go to Texas on the way, see family, do the holiday thing, and then I'll be out in the sun. I need some sun, Chef AJ. I uh, really don't don't look at me. I'm not in Southern California anymore. I left the beautiful sunshine behind. Hey, tell tell me a little bit about that video you made that's called, let's see, I pulled it up. The how to start a whole food plant-based diet for beginner, the first steps. Because a lot of times 
you know, well, you were mentioning at the beginning of the show, people talking in the chat, you know, people will say, well, I don't know where to begin. You know, what do I stop dairy? Do I, you know, what do I do first? People, a lot of times they think it's sugar. And while I don't think sugar is a health food, I don't, that wouldn't be my first step with somebody. Mine would yeah. probably be dairy, you know? Yeah. I, well, I don't remember what's specifically in that video, but I, I, this is what I do every night before I go to bed. I see what grain or bean do I want for the next day if I haven't made any and I soak them overnight. So there I have a habit when I wake up, I already know what I'm going to cook. So I do that every night. I soak my grain or bean and then they're, you know, maybe more digestible, get some of the acids out. So I do that and, you know, I... Yeah, but I feel like, you know, sometimes I scare people because my diet is so simple. But I think going strict is easier than going gourmet. Like most people, they struggle because they're like, oh, I'm really used to eating in nice restaurants and I'm used to this flavor. And I, I kind of think use your mental power to get past that and just eat peasant food for a month. It's not going to kill you and then see how you feel. And then you add the flavor, you find the recipes. So I just say make rice, beans, or quinoa, sweet potato, and a lot of vegetables. And um, just eat that and get your you know, like Esselstein says, that fat switch in the brain, if you go 21 days without the fats, you no longer crave fat. Yeah, to downregulate the fat receptor. But I've, you know, I've seen people take a little longer than that. Some people, you know? Yes. Yeah. Do you think a couple months or? I, the longest, the, the most stubborn client I had was four months, but that is not, but she, I mean, she was basically eating a McDonald's diet, but for most people, like you say, I think a few weeks of compliant eating and then they don't miss it as much. Yeah. It's like, it just turns and I, you know, I discovered this in my mid forties, I was coaching a friend with like high cholesterol and stuff. And I was uh, saying, why don't you just leave off the nuts and seeds? And I was like, I'll do it with you, you know, to support you. And like I said, I'm big on all the tahini sauce. I love all that. You know, that's like the vegan cream, but um, I did that with him and like after about 15 days, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing sit-ups and it feels good. You know, like ab crunches. Because usually all my life I would do sit-ups. I was like, God, I hate this. It's like hurting. So my stomach flattened out with no overt fats. And then I started working out. I started lifting weights and it just gave me so much energy so I think that's a really cool tool that is easy to miss. It's very easy to miss that in the whole food plant-based world, that there's a little magic tool. Leave off all the fats until you get healthy. You know, all the doctors say that, the whole food plant-based doctors, except maybe Furman, but, you know, you, you would miss it if you weren't, you know, so that was quite eye-opening for me. You know, you mentioned tahini. I remember I was at the plantrician conference and the food was amazing at the Marriott and I became friendly with the chefs and I'm like, you know, share the recipes with me and everything had like a half a cup or a cup of tahini or a cup of cashew cream. And of course it was delicious, you know, and I wasn't used to eating that much fat. And it was like, wow. I mean, it's really good, but it's, it, that that's what I think people sometimes do is when they go on a plant-based diet, they do go on, same thing with, I've noticed with the raw diet, they go on a higher fat version at first, you know? Yeah, I tried that. I tried the raw food diet with all the nuts and seeds and stuff that wiped me out. Uh, I did not feel well on it, you know, no. but I never tried the low fat raw diet, but I don't know if I could do that because I don't know if I could eat like 10 pounds of food a day. I'm already eating five, you know? I tried it many times, so the 80, 10, 10 and, uh, you know, when I was in Hawaii, I was just like, I want to do something fun. And it kind of works, but you get, at least for me, I got too skinny doing that. And and I I don't think I do really that well with fruit. I think I have a little bit of a fructose issue. So I think I'm better more on the cook side. But 
The crazy thing is when you do that, a lot of fruit, you kind of, you get disorganized because you're spacey. So I was like, why are there banana peels in my car? You know, it's just like eating bananas. And you can, have you ever done a comedy set on veganism? I've done quite a few because, you know, you're in comedy. You can't you can't really make fun of other people, but you can certainly make fun of your own. I, I yeah, I have tried to do it. Well, my last uh, my last fringe uh, had a lot of that. And, you know, I would do like I'm grateful to McDonald's because one fifth of my body is from there. And you talk about how much I ate McDonald's and but it's funny because the oh, no, here's one I would go. Uh, so as a vegan, here's my diet. I eat rice and beans and vegetables and nuts and seeds and McDonald's. And that's you know, a comedy teacher helped me write that. And it's funny. But if there's vegans in the audience, they're like, oh, 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 oh. And I was like, OK, no, no, no. It's a joke, people. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any uh, social media presence if people want to like connect with you? How would they do that? You know, yeah, like the best way would be probably uh, my Instagram is Life by Tadlock, and I mean you could follow my YouTube. Maybe one of these days I'll post something. It's the same name, Life by Tadlock. Uh, but my Instagram has a lot of travel photos and a lot of food, you know, food photos and every. Like the other day I posted, um, I ate a giant thousand calorie breakfast because I'd worked out and I was hungry and it had 50 grams of protein in it. And I, yeah, I put the whole thing in chronometer and I printed out the analysis of it and, uh, you know, just kind of talk. So there's things like that on my Instagram is probably uh, the best way. Nice. What do you do for fun? Uh, I'm really love theater. That's why I'm out in New York. I I love to go to London and uh, New York and see musicals. Mm, what was your favorite musical? Did you see Waitress by any chance? I loved Waitress. I. Did, I did which you know one did you film it? Did they? Did you know that they actually filmed one of the versions of the Broadway shows and made it a movie? And the movie was a spectacular, which is kind of funny because they made a movie of a play of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that what that one had actually uh, Sarah Bareilles that wrote it right in it. Yeah, she was the, amazing. Yeah, yeah, but I, I when Jesse Mueller opened that show on Broadway, uh, so she was uh, Carol King and Beautiful, and then she did uh, the Waitress, and it's just I just loved her performance in that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. I love Spring Awakening. Um, the current shows, uh, I mean, Funny Girl closed with Leah Michelle, but that was probably the best thing I have ever seen. Um, I just saw Merrily We Roll Along that has, uh, Daniel Ratcliffe in it. And that's really good. Um, Sweeney Todd with Josh Groban is really good right now. Mm. Uh, MJ is so good. MJ the musical the if you want to see the uh, progression of the dance so Michael Jackson the dancer um you can watch the YouTube I think the song I think it's I think it's beat it but there's one big number where they go through all the people that he studied in dance to become Michael Jackson and it's a that's a fantastic musical. Yeah. Worth every penny. It's gonna did cost you, a lot. Do you did you happen to see Ain't Too Proud? Uh yeah, I did. I can't remember much about it. I saw it here um, in Sacramento and it's just it I, I love theater too. Who's your favorite comedian? And who's your favorite vegan comedian? Because there are some comedians that are vegan. Oh, are they? Yeah. Uh, I love Amy Schumer. I think she's uh she's hilarious. very I don't I don't know if she's vegan. I don't think she is, but I love exuberance in performing like people that just they're just happy to share it. You know, they're just happy to be sharing. And I think she really does that. And I think she really has a hold of her funny bone. I think she's really got it. Uh I love Chris Rock. 
we mentioned him earlier. I, I saw him in person in April, right before I moved to Northern California. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, I saw a really interesting presentation in London on comedy and poetry and history and how it's actually, they're hypnotizing the audience with a rhythm, you know, and I think Chris Rock can really watch his rhythm and, and Jerry Seinfeld as well. So it's, it's a musical thing. And they used to do back, you know, in the middle ages, they would do political speeches and they would use rhythm because it gets people in it, which is great for stand-up comedy, but it's really bad if you're watching the evening news because they're also using a rhythm, right? Like you watch the evening, you're like, you know, the world, you know, it's so terrible. You're all wrapped you know, riled up. So that's, that's funny. Well, thanks for being vegan and for going vegan at such a young age. You think anybody went vegan because of you? Oh yeah. Many people. Yeah. Many, many friends. Uh, yeah. And it's been, it's been really fun. It's a great way to live. It's just, all we do is eat good food and travel and have fun. I mean, it's like, you just feel so happy and it does, doesn't mean you're never going to get depressed, but it's just a happy it's a happy life with a lot of celebration. So, yeah. Do you only do stand-up or have you ever done improv comedy? Yeah, I did a lot of the Groundlings for years. I went You're through their kidding. whole You're kidding me. I, I still study with them. I mean, they're still online and we we actually perform online. Oh, yeah, yeah. Drew Drogi is a friend of mine. Uh, He's one of the teachers there. I've never had him. I, I have Guy Stevenson. I don't know if you know who that is. And Patrick Bristow. No, but I have Ariane Price was my first Groundlings teacher. And, you know, I had my very first basic Groundling class and there were 15 of us. We are all best friends. Like we have stayed in touch. That was around 2008. We are like, we bonded. It's like a little fraternity. Like they're messaging. We have an Instagram chain. We see each other once a year and... Yeah, it's been, I really love the groundling style of comedy because yeah. it's relationship based. Yeah, and character driven more than, yeah. Yeah, character driven. So we have, yeah, a, lot, we have a lot in common. If you ever come to Northern California, come to one of the meetups, I'll give you five minutes at the mic. Yeah, definitely. I would love that. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much, Larry. It was a lot of fun getting to know you. Thanks for your patience and waiting to get on the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having Thank me. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for another great show.